It's great to be with you today. And uh, awesome music, thank you. I love that. Touch my heart. That's what music's supposed to do. Reach down and touch our heart. Encourage us, challenge us. Just to stir within us that emotion that God gave us. To understand just how great He is. And how great that amazing grace really is. Oh, awesome. Great song. You know, it's um, so amazing to be here, to be sharing with you today, and sharing from James chapter 4. As you look at the main part of what we have in James chapter 4, I want you to go to verse 8 with me this morning as we begin, and we're going to preach the entire chapter. And that doesn't mean we're going to be here a long time, okay? Uh, But I just want to start there because this is the whole crux, if you will, of the matter of what he's trying to share and what we need in our life. And that is to draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That Just that part. I want you to think about that. That drawing nigh really means getting close. Whoever you're sitting by, if you're not sitting by anybody, you just reach around and hug yourself. Reach over and put your arm around whoever's next to you or around you. Come on, do it. You're getting close, aren't you? You're you're drawing nigh, getting close to one another. And this is about getting close to God, getting so close that you begin to experience His very peace and joy within you. That everything about God begins to move in your heart and your soul. Drawing nigh. Getting close. For when you draw close to Him, what does He do? He draws close to you. I don't know if you know much about horses or not. But I mess around with horses for quite a few years. And you know, if I'm ugly to them, they move away from me. Right? And if I treat them right, they come to me. They want to be close to me. Well, sometimes we have to realize that God, when He disciplines us, what do we want to do? We want to run away. We want to get away from Him. But when we feel the joy and like the song we heard this morning about the grace of God and the joy of God and how God moves in our life, then we want to get closer to Him. I have a little mare, and she's the outcast of the bunch. And when we go to feed, I put out three buckets, and I feed each one of them. And that little old colt, We'll get over there and he'll eat his up and then he wants to come eat hers. The other one, he's older and he's taking his time. He's enjoying his meal, you know. He's glad I brought it to him and so he's eating it. But if I do not stand by that little mare, that little colt over there will come and he'll run her off and he'll eat her food. But I can walk up beside her and just stand right by the gate or by the fence. And that little colt will quit eating and he'll turn around and he'll look at me. 
And instead of coming over and taking her food, he'll move away. Because I've gotten after him about getting her food. And he'll go on out there where the hay is and he'll begin to eat the hay. He won't bother her. Well, when we draw nigh to God, he begins to do that for us. Because he helps us have that protection of the Holy Spirit. And this talks about the Spirit of God. Being in our life and moving in our life. And when that Holy Spirit is present, we feel drawn to God. And we feel the joy of God. And we feel the peace of God. Let's back all the way to verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that wars in your members. You know, that kind of sounds difficult, doesn't it? Sounds like, well, what is he talking about? The fightings and wars among you. He's not talking about between us. He's talking about that war and that battle that goes on between the old devil and the Holy Spirit of God that walks and moves and works in our life. He said those things that war in our members. You know, I remember a cartoon when I was growing up and it was all this cartoon was uh, this fellow was trying to decide what to do. And there's this little red devil sitting on this shoulder and a little angel sitting on this shoulder. And that devil said, oh, go ahead and do it. You know what you can do? Go ahead. And then the little angel said, no, you better not do that. It's not good for you. Well, that's what he's talking about here. We have those wars within us of what are we to do? How are we to live? How are we to go about being what God wants us to be? He said, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because what? You ask not. Ask. That means we're expecting something when we ask for it, right? If we ask for something for someone, we, ask, we expect them to give it to us. And he says we can have that if we only ask. There are so many different things in this chapter that talks about the ideal things we need to do if we're going to draw nigh to God. You can't get close to God and live in the world and do what the world does. You've got to turn your heart and your mind upon being obedient and searching to know what God's good and perfect will is for you. That's what's in this chapter. About knowing, he says, you ask not, and if you ask not, you receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss. How many times do you pray when you get in trouble? Right? I do. God help me, please. Right? But many times when he says you ask amiss, he means you're asking with the wrong motivation. You're asking for something that you really should not be asking for. You're asking for God to do something that's outside of the realm of what God will do. You're wanting God to step outside of where you are and do what you want instead of us seeking to know what God wants in our life. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity or division, strife with God? 
Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Anybody in here really want to be the enemy of God? I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to be his enemy. I want to be as close to him as I can be. And he says we have to have that, not that friendship of the world, but be drawn to God and searching to be all that God wants us to be. Do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Or is envious or trying to do things on our own? The spirit of God. Do you realize the spirit of God, if you're a born again child of God, lives in you? Amen. Come on. Does he not live in you? And he is there for what purpose? To guide, to direct, to convict, to bring resolution to things in your life. When you ask and you receive because you're asking not amiss in wrong motives for wrong reasons, but you're asking because you want it to help you draw closer to God. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You have to humble yourself before God. The only way you can begin to really ask is after you come to the point of realizing you've run out of space. You've run out of line. And you had not got any farther to go. And you come back to the point of, God, I know I cannot do it. It's only you. And I come to you. He gives that grace. Now, the next few verses talk about those things we do to draw nigh to God. First of all, we've got to ask Him. We talked about that. But then He says we have to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Are you submitting yourself to God? What if God told everybody in this room to go preach somewhere this morning? Y'all ready? Come on. Are you? Y'all just don't go talk to me, are you? I like folks to talk back to me, okay? Are you resisting God? Are you submitting to God? He says, we submit ourselves therefore to God. Are you willing to do whatever God says for you to do? That's what he's talking about. Are you willing to resist the devil? Because, you know, the devil, he says, if you resist him, he'll flee from you. And therefore, when the devil flees, you have more of an openness for your heart and your mind to get closer to God and to the things of God. Skip verse 8. Be afflicted and mourn. Do you ever grieve over sin in your life? Do you ever grieve over the things that you should have done that you didn't do? He said, and weep. Have you ever wept before God because you recognize that God, I walked out here by myself, I did all this by myself, and I got away from you, and dear God, now I'm crying out to you. And I have, I've been on my knees, on my face crying, I am sorry. Be afflicted and mourn. And weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And when we humble ourselves, that means we get real with God. And what's He going to do? He'll lift you up. I love that. He'll lift you up. Y'all ever been discouraged, disheartened? 
And you cry out to God and all of a sudden all of that goes away? Speak not evil, here we go, of each other. Mm. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. It's real easy to judge somebody else, isn't it? What about judging ourselves? When we look in our heart and our mind and we begin to judge, what are my motives and why am I doing what I'm doing? Boy, that gets tough. It's real tough. Humble yourselves. Speak not evil. He says, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judge another? What should we do? Instead of judging them, we ought to begin to pray for them and turn them over to God and allow God to move in their life and to draw them to Him, to Himself. Verse 13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And he goes on and explains, why in the world would you do all of those things and why would you determine what you're going to do when you come to the next few verses and you talk about how life is nothing but a vapor? You're here today and gone tomorrow. And that vapor, you know, is like smoke. All of a sudden, you see it and then it's gone. And that's the way life is. But what are you going to do in that time that God has given you? How are you going to live your life? He talks about getting in line with what God wants in our life. Man, that's tough. I know. I deal with it all the time, don't you? Knowing what God wants in my life. But he goes on in verse 15, for that we ought to say, if the Lord will. The Lord's will. If we're going to get close to God, we've got to know what His will is. Wives, if you want to be close to your husband, you've got to figure out who he is. You've got to feel like, figure out what he needs, what he wants, who he is, and then you draw close by coming to the point of recognizing, and he's not Lord, believe me, but, but he is your husband or your wife or whatever, and you draw close to each other by what? Knowing what their needs are. When you come to the point of drawing close to God and asking, God, this is what I want, but more than anything else, God, I want your will in my life. I want to be what you want me to be. He says, we shall live and do this or that. We say that, but now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. How in the world did we ever get to the point to where we thought we didn't need, did not need God. And so many people in the world today have no need for God. They do not want to draw close to God. They do not want to go to that point of coming to the church and enjoying the time of fellowship and the time of worship. They don't want the experience of feeling the presence and the power of God moving in their life anymore. But he's, all of this, he's talking about the things that we ought to do or we should do 
If we're drawing close, if we're humbling ourselves, if we're doing what God says, if we're recognizing it's not about what we plan to do, but it's about what God wants us to do and humbling ourselves and doing what God says to do. It's more about what God wants than what I want. Because if I did everything I want, I'd probably wind up in a mess. Uh, Let me take that back. I've been in that mess, and I know what it's like, and I'd rather do God's will and not have to be in that mess, okay? And everybody here today, I hope that in your heart right now, you're thinking, okay, God, I really want to be close to you, and I want to know you with power, and I want to experience the moving of your spirit in my heart and my life, and the only way that's going to happen is when I humble myself, when I begin to truly ask, he says you will receive, and he talks about the main thing here, he's talking about those wars and all those things, it's those things of commission and omission, y'all know what those are? Those sins that we commit knowing we've committed them. And then those things that we have committed that we didn't know or we knew, but we didn't do it anyway. Boy, that one gets me. So many times I know what I ought to do, and I don't do it. And I always pay a heavy price, you know? May not nobody in this world see it or know it but me and God. And God wants to be close to you. God wants to pour out his blessings on you. And he wants to minister to you. He said, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is joy, peace. No, it's pure old D, sin. You see, God loves you so much. He loved us so much that he gave Jesus Christ to come to this earth to die on that cross, to be buried, dead, paying the price for all of our sin that we might come to the reality of submitting ourselves to Him, of drawing nigh to Him, of being afflicted and mourned because of the things in our life and get those things out of our life. And He gave us the answer. He said, if you'll only believe in Jesus Christ, Christ, that he paid the price for your sin, then you can confess that sin and it's wiped away, it's clear, it's gone. But you know what? I think in this chapter also, if you read it real close, you begin to find that the problem is we're not sure we really want to get that close to God. Because if we did, we wouldn't have all those wars and fightings within ourselves. We'd have that joy. We'd have that excitement about knowing God in reality and in His power. We'd be able to not just talk about Him. We'd not speak not evil of others. We would not think about today or tomorrow what we're going to do. We'd think about what does God want us to do and how does He want us to do it. And then the reality of Jesus Christ Not only hung on the cross and died and was buried, but he's alive. He was resurrected. And he's the only Savior. He's your only answer. 
He's the only way that you can get close to God. It's when you come by faith and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you say, Lord Jesus, I know that without you I am doomed. I am bound for a place called hell. And God, I don't want to go there. I want to do everything I can to draw close to you so that I have the assurance that when you return one day, dear Jesus, if if I'm alive, I'm going to live with you forever. If I'm dead and I've been born again and I've been resurrected I'm going to live with you you see this whole chapter is nothing but what do you want from God and what are you willing to do for God and how sincere are you in doing whatever it takes to be what God wants you to be and to have the joy and the peace and to know the grace and the mercy and to know the power and to know the victory and know the love and everything of God, the only way it comes is when you say, God, you're the most important thing. And you draw nigh to Him. And it's no longer God, one day, one day I'll get right. <laughs> One day, I'll get closer. But see, today, you have a decision to make, everyone in this room. And every time I come into church, I have a decision to make. And every time I'm sitting at home preparing a message, getting ready to preach, I have a conviction and I have a decision I have to make. I'm going to either preach what God says or I'm going to say, no, God, I don't want to preach that. I want to preach this. And every one of you sitting in that pew this morning, you have a choice. You either want to be close to God or you're as close as you're ever going to get. That's sad, isn't it? How close do you want to be? I'm of the opinion. Y'all can throw me out the door, okay? I'm of the opinion. If God's people would ever really get close to God and begin to not commit sin and not to omit the things that they know they should do and begin to do what they should do and to begin to get all the things out of their life they should and begin to draw close to God and to begin to love Him with all of their heart and serve Him with all of their heart, we'd see churches fill up. We would. You know why? Because the world's hurting. And they're looking for a place where they can be accepted, where they can find the reality of life, where they can find that hope where they can find that peace, where they can find that joy. And we as Christians have the obligation to show it to the world. That great commission we have to go. You know what it really, we always say it, go ye therefore and make disciples and that kind of stuff, you know. Really what it's saying is, as you're going every day, you be living a life that people see the glory and the power of God living in you. And you express to them the joy that only comes from knowing Jesus. Have you asked Jesus to save you? That's the first step. To get closer to God. You've got to ask Jesus to save you if you're not saved. The next step is, God, this is a toughie. I'm not going to try to plan what I want to do and be in my life. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do in life. And I'm going to be where you want me to be. And after that, then you say, now God, I'm not going to listen to that old devil anymore. 
I'm not going to let these things fight within me. I'm going to listen to you and your Holy Spirit that resides in me. And God, I'm going to go by the direction of the Holy Spirit to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all that is within me. I'm going to praise you and serve you. This morning, how great is your God? How great is your salvation? Is it just enough to bring you to church? Or is it enough to live victorious every day? We sang victory in Jesus this morning. Do you have that victory? Do you have that joy? You know, it seems to me, when I, I y'all realize I've been doing this a long time. Okay? 45 years. And when I first went into ministry, you know, on Sunday mornings, a lot of times the altar would be full. People coming, praying, getting their hearts right, accepting Jesus. Whatever happened to that? But you know what has happened? We've grown to where we're the point of afraid of what somebody else will think about us. But you know what's more important to me than anything? It's not what anybody else thinks about me. It's what Jesus thinks of me. This morning, I hope you understand my heart. My heart is I love you. And God loves you. He gave you this word. And man, that's, there's so much in that chapter that I, if I started, I'd, I'd be here forever. If I really went verse by verse and really walked, walked you through every bit of it. But I want you to know this morning it's about knowing him and about submitting yourself to him. That's what it's about. That's the only way you draw nigh to God. And I've said that before, but I'm saying it again. I'm reiterating. I'm really trying to get you this morning to understand just what a great Savior and Lord you have and to rejoice in Him. Do you do that? Are you doing that this morning? The old saying goes, if He is, if He does, your face ought to show it. There ought to be a smile on your face. There ought to be joy in your heart. There ought to be rejoicing in your soul. And I pray right now that God's just touching your heart and reassuring you, and maybe not reassuring, but even convicting you of where you need to be with Him, to draw nigh to Him. Amen? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe proclaim. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Come on. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. How 
He's awesome. Do you know Him? Lord Jesus, how we thank You for Your great love and mercy. And God, You make Yourself available to us. And if we only ask, if we only seek, if we only commit, if we only search, if we only humble ourselves, if we only come to the point of searching for you and giving you our life and not worrying about what we want, but what you want, Lord Jesus, how awesome that is. You said not only would we draw nigh to you, but you would draw nigh to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning that we can have salvation through you, Lord. Thank you this morning for this time to be here together to share. And dear God, I pray that everyone in this room this morning would be challenged to evaluate their relationship with you. God, we all need to do that on a regular, daily basis. To watch what we say, to watch what we say about others. And God, to be ever mindful of the things that we do, are they of your will? Not because things we want to do or would like to do, but God, because we're submitted to you, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have the hope of glory. We thank you, Lord, that today we can know that you're right here with us, just like you promised. And every soul in this room today, Lord, I pray that your spirit is speaking to them now. And I know it is. And everyone in this room, all of us, myself, everyone here today, we all have things in our heart and our mind that we need to turn over to you. And so, Lord, as we have an invitation time today, or a time of commitment, whatever we might want to call it, that God would be open to you and move. Brother James, if you would come and stand, and everyone in this room, if you just stand and keep your eyes closed. And maybe you just need to come to this altar and pray today. Whatever it might be that you need to do, just know that God's open. He's wanting you to come. He's willing to be there for you, to touch you this morning.